Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy this shit show. that guitar welcome once again to the bread and circuses podcast i am brewster here with crow hey how's your day crow fan fucking tastic really really i'll edit that out later okay all right good um so you want to before we get into some serious stuff here because i got a lot of uh school heavy stuff but uh before we do that you wanted to talk last time about something lighter which was the Wrinkle in Time review. Uh, I've They made... Did you read the Wrinkle in Time, or Wrinkle in Time at all? No. Okay. It's it's kind of... Uh, I know the gist of the story. Yeah, it's 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 about like alternate dimensions and all that kind of stuff and, and traveling um, through space and time and using something called a tesseract, they call it. And then they kind of describe it as... And I think it had some illustrations in the book from what I remember. Like not many, but some... And there's part where they talked about how you can get from point A to point B without um, um, without actually traveling the distance in a straight line. By they d- demonstrated by taking like a piece of yarn and like holding, you know, the left and the right end, and then just kind of like pulling them together and touching them and saying that's that, that that's a tesseract. When as you're a little when you're a little kid, it's like mind blown. It's like super cool. But when you get older, you're like yeah, this explain that to me how's that supposed to work but i don't think that it wasn't meant to be like really deep it was just it's kind to, of a kid's book yeah, isn't it? yeah oh absolutely i mean like a young teen book and i actually don't remember a whole lot about it other than uh that it had a couple like real kind of creepy spots to it and uh they were trying to rescue their dad who was a scientist who his experiment basically blasted into a different dimension i think is and there's like this ultimate evil that they have to deal with and you know, I think the author comes from a Christian perspective, but wasn't like heavy handed with it in the book. Right. Now, there was a sequel I read that was very, kind of very Christian, you know, Bible based because it's it's basically a, about um, the time of the Ark, Noah and the Ark. And uh, he, uh, it, it was it was interesting. It was a good it was a good book for kids. It was young, young, uh, young adults, maybe, maybe even younger than that. So but uh, when I saw the uh, previews for Wrinkle in Time. And I just knew exactly what it was going to be. I mean, um, as soon as you heard that Oprah was involved, one, you kind of know what it's about. But uh, Oh, what's her name? Mindy. Uh, I can't remember her last name. Yeah. From the Mindy Project. Yeah. Uh, and from The Office. Yep. Um, and East, East Indian. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it turns out it's basically just um, um, diversity fest is what it is. And th- I guess they took out a lot of the... They took out um, the basis of it, like the the good and evil Christian theme, and, and to put in a uh, a having a little mixed girl with kinky hair feel good about herself message in it. You know, that's that's what they wanted and to put. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But here's the thing: make your own fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Don't take don't take a um, uh, talk about cultural appropriation, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're taking a book that was written by uh, I'm assuming a, a, a Christian white. White Christian about woman. a bunch of white people doing science and all that kind of stuff. And I don't care if you, if you, well, you want to make it accessible to other races. That's fine. I don't care. You could change the race of people in the book. I don't care. But the problem was they changed the whole focus of it. 
and the whole message of it to be, you know, diversity, yay, and you can feel good about yourself if you're a young black girl with kinky hair. It's like, really? That's not the message of the book. That's well, not the story. Wasn't the main story, though, that uh, post-movie that the director, who's a black woman, I think she is. Her name is Ava uh, DuVernay, DuVernay or something like that. And she was all pissed off that the reviews weren't great, and she said it was basically white people hating on the movie. Yeah. So in interviews, she, she never missed an opportunity to praise the endeavor as a, quote, love letter to black girls everywhere. That's what she said. Um, and... Uh, which is fine, but like you said, don't don't steal somebody else's movie to do it. Yeah, um, and I, that's the point is they they basically use that property to get butts in the seats and get money because they knew whatever message they had, whatever story they were going to come up with to empower to make a love letter to black girls everywhere was was not going to make money, right? Because they it was exclusive, it was not inclusive. So they figured, well, how do we how do we get you know people to to sign on to this? Well. It's all this white guilt and this, uh, you know, um, uh, the the virtue signaling that's going on left and right. It's like it's like, well, yeah, we can get guilty white folk to to sign on to it. Well, it doesn't work all the time like that. It actually has to be decent, at least. Like Black Panther was decent, at least. It wasn't the worth all the like the crazy praise I've been hearing about it, but it's you know at least it was a decent movie. Yeah, but I mean, regardless, that movie puts butts in seats. So yeah. I mean, you can you can say what you want about it. I mean, I. We talked about this before. I didn't particularly, I didn't dislike the film. I just wasn't super excited about it. But yeah, it wasn't. I mean, that movie is legitimately having people go back and see it again and wrinkle in time. From what I've from what I've seen, I didn't see the movie. No, I've from what I've seen is that it's it's not doing well at the box office. I, I've seen pretty honest reviews from it. I uh, just rushed a, a review from a black dude last night that that was talking about how he was looking forward to it. It was when he first heard that it was coming out, it was in his top 10 must-see movies because he knew the uh, the director from pre previous movies. She she uh, directed a couple um, dramas, basically. Um, I can't off the top of my head recall what they were. But, uh, I mean, I think they dealt with race. What's um, her name? Uh, Ava DuVernay. D-E-R-N-A-Y. -E -E Anyways, uh, so he was saying, yeah, he was really looking forward to it, and uh, he watched it, and it's like the only good thing he could come up, uh, come away saying was that it had a, a you know, a, a message about you know, um, love and 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 loving yourself and trusting yourself, and uh, uh, Chris Pine was good in it. You know, very, he had very little screen time, but he was really good and believable. Other than that, everything else was bad. <laughs> That's what he said. the The CGI was terrible. It was noticeable. It was. The, the plot was just nonsensical. It's like they skipped whole things describing, you know, telling you what's happening. You just, it was just, uh, and they said the actresses playing, you know, Oprah was Oprah. And uh, Mindy, uh, he, he wasn't impressed with her. And he said uh, Reese Witherspoon was like hyper and just annoying. And he said the little, there was a little brother. Isn't that kind of Reese Witherspoon? Yeah. They said there was a little brother in it, Wallace or something. Um, and he said he was just creepy. So, um she did Selma. That was her big. There movie. we go. Yeah. So, and so he, he, you know, he went in. He went in wanting to like the movie. He did hear kind of bad reviews before he went and saw it, and uh, so that kind of um, affected his opinion. He he, he thinks, but uh, I mean, you can tell when you. I mean, when you when you see the previews, as, as you can tell what it's going to be. So it's just a big mess. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know this whole thing about. When directors get pissed about, they say bad reviews, you know, uh, submarine their film. I mean, 
He said the same thing about uh, The Lone Ranger a couple summers ago when that came out. It's a shitty movie. Yeah. It's just, I mean, and people will see, I don't want to say they'll see a bad movie. They'll see a movie you may not like over and over and over again because it's, because they like it, you know? And look, the true test of whether a movie's good or not is does it put butts in seats and does it keep happening? And if it doesn't happen, yeah, there's in kind this of case, a, she's sort of blaming, well, she's blaming white people for not liking her movie. Yeah. You know, I'll go back to this. I mean, she, it, it, using the language of the left, she culturally appropriated the work of, of white culture to push an agenda of black empowerment. It's like, uh, if, that, if that happened in reverse, if there was a book written by a black author with a black family doing doing things together and you know it can be fantastical or science fiction or whatever but if it if it something like that would have been well i want to make this a love letter to little white girls everywhere i mean it's ridiculous make yeah. your own make your own goddamn movie so that it just i guess that's kind of like the kind of stuff that just gets to me <laughs> it's like, i'm just so tired of it tired well, of, I mean, i'm tired of virtue signaling i'm tired of white guilt i'm tired of of even black people that are that are um falling into the trap of of like with Black Panther, it's like it's like they want it to be this cultural watershed that it's not gonna be. It's like stop it. It's it's a it's a superhero movie. Yeah, it's it's just a movie. Yeah, and I'm sure there's people gonna say no, it's not just a movie because well, Wesley Snipes disagrees <laughs> that it's the first black superhero movie, but because Blade was Blade was what 1990, right. long time early ago. 90s, yeah. I think. But it's just, it's stupid. You know, we were talking about this before and I brought up uh, early 90s. There was a Shakespearean movie uh, with uh, Kenneth Branagh and Denzel Washington, Keanu Reeves, and Emma Thompson. They redid Much Ado About Nothing. Not redid it. They did a movie, Much Ado About Nothing. And Kenneth Branagh and Denzel Washington in the movie are are uh, brothers. And... You know, there was a big uproar in it. I remember reading the article in USA Today about how can these two be brothers? And Kenneth Branagh said, look, you know, we're just actors in a movie. You know, you just suspend your belief or your disbelief. And it, I watched the movie. It worked great. And I, I just don't get that. And I've said this thing I said before about Black Panther. My son, who's seven and loves superheroes, loves his two favorite Avengers are Black Panther and Thor. He doesn't think for one second. Black Panther's black, so I can't like him. He's got the costume, everything. He doesn't care. He just likes Black Panther because he does cool shit. Didn't he dress up as Black Panther for, for Halloween? Halloween? He still has the costume. He wears it around. Yeah, he. Yeah, I think putting him in blackface went a step too far, though. <laughs> Disavow. <laughs> <laughs> no, he... Uh, but, I mean, he doesn't think for one second that because, you know... Prince T'Challa or King T'Challa now is black that, well, I can't, I have to be Thor. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, he just doesn't. He's like, yeah, Black Panther's awesome. You know, flips around and does all that stuff. And coincidentally, he doesn't like Spider-Man that much because Spider-Man's a little kid to him. Spider-Man is like twice his age. So he's like, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know. This was supposed to be your light part. You got all. Well, I, I actually, last time I had like, like web pages pulled up about it and I was going to like quote the director more, but I just had a couple <laughs> things written down here this time. And I so I don't want to go into it. So all right, we can move on. Well, so here's, here's the thing I want to get to because the shit's been hitting the fan in Minnesota education. Uh, this story about the Dinah school district and their all for all uh, program. So Dinah is a very 
it, it's a well-to-do suburb of western Minneapolis, like very immediately western. And uh, it's got like, I believe last I checked, top four scores across the state in all these all these different categories. But they started this program in 2013, All for All, which sounds great, except in it it says, quote, all teaching and learning experience, unquote, must be, quote, viewed through a lens of racial equality, oh, unquote. And one of the main topics of all of this is they teach white privilege. Mm-hmm. And it just, it drives me fucking crazy. You know, and what they basically, there's some white students saying they're basically shaming them in the class. They're saying, hey, you know, you're white and you should feel bad about it because look at what you did. I mean, we're talking about 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. That's completely nuts. And the part that drives me nuts about this is aren't we supposed to be like getting along and sharing cultures and all that stuff, but the left just keeps singling people out saying, well, this is why you're different. You can't belong to the club. Well, the cult, the cultural Marxists, the progressive left, they, they do not want it. They don't want better race relations because they're all about that uh, victimhood and the victim status and the, and the victim points. So there's always got to be an oppressor and oppressed in their mind. Well, if there's no oppressor, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson aren't making money. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, yeah, there's an industry. There's a whole, there's, there's power to be made or to be grabbed and money to be made doing this. Well, if you think you can make money by teaching somebody else they're exploited or yeah, then, I mean, I guess that's, that's a really shitty way to live your life. But, but the effect it's having on the school is that their scores are dropping. They're still a high ranked school, but they're not where they were before. Now there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of factors that go into that. But the point is, they put this into place and it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Oh, how dare you point that out? Yeah, how dare I? Well, it's basically racially segregating these people. I mean, didn't didn't like 50, 60 years ago, we, we try to handle this thing about racial segregation and the whites here and the blacks there. So you can't have a white drinking fountain, a whites only bathroom, a whites only counter. You can't have a blacks only one. Unless, of course, that's what black people want. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've heard the last year even there there was different stories about black-only graduations, black-only prom. These these, ha- these happened. Yeah, it wasn't – I don't think it was officially sponsored by the schools, but basically all the black kids got together and said, you know, we're doing this, you know. So <laughs> just it's a full circle, the circle of life. Look, I don't <laughs> I don't care if a – a uh, group of black kids gets together and says, we want to have a black-only prom. I don't care. But holy shit, if the whites did that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going a different direction with this. If they get together and they say, we want to have a black-only party or a Indian-only party or, you know, Asian-only party, whatever, I don't care. It's when a school gets behind it or a government agency gets behind it, something other than the people who have it, you know, and I think... Uh, in a way, that's kind of, and I don't want to get too far afield here, but, you know, Jordan Peterson's thing about uh, include the the trans pronouns. Yeah. He says he doesn't say, I will not call a trans student in my class what they want to be called. He says, he never says, I won't. He says, if a, if a trans female comes up to me and wants to be called her, you know, if Steve wants to be Stephanie, he doesn't care. What he hates is that the idea that the government is going to force you to do it. Yeah. And so 
if some kids want to get together and have a Harambe club where they exclude whites and all that stuff. And, uh, and now, when you say Harambe club, what do you mean by that? Well, when I was in, I, I may be ignorant to this, but when I was in college, there was a Harambe club. Didn't have any white students in. Just a multicultural. Student. You know, Harambe was that gorilla that was yeah, killed. Well, that and, was... Uh, you know, you're equating um, a black club with Harambe, who was a gorilla. I don't believe I equated Racist. anything. With I don't believe I equated anything with anything. So. I disavow. I, uh, I disavow gorillas. I am not you part of your commentary your, about about blacks and gorillas. I am not anywhere near this conversation. You're anti primate, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, if they want to have that club, I don't. I don't care. You know. Uh, yeah, and whites could never do it. That's a whole different thing. But I, it doesn't bother me. But when a school gets behind it and says. You know what? We have to enforce this. Yeah. You know, we're going to make sure that it happens this way. Well, you said that the school, the tests and grades were declining. Yeah. Is that all around or was it just black kids? I believe uh, it was all of them. And I can kind of think about, okay, why would that happen? I know why, because I talked about this uh, in a prior episode where the discipline problem. So, they're saying that disproportionately the black kids are getting um, suspended or called into detention or whatever more than the white kids. So they decided that they were going to. But not just at this school. That no. was. No. That was yeah. an Eric Holder. I'm not. That's what you're talking about. Isn't just Edina. Yeah. But so Edina is probably following the same yeah, procedures. I would imagine they're, they're on the cusp of all this bullshit. So um, what's happening is these kids that should be disciplined are getting away with acting like assholes and it's disrupting the classes and the classes are, aren't the students aren't learning because they're, it's a disruptive environment or even the white kids are going, fuck, if you can get away with it, I can get away with it. And then it's all hell's breaking loose. The teacher doesn't know what to do. That's I think if you look into it, that might be some of what's happening. Well, and it might also be that, you know, it's an affluent neighborhood that some of these parents are pulling their kids out of school. <laughs> yeah, and then, then the turds are left. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I, there could be, I don't pretend to know why it is. No, I don't. I'm just, I'm yeah, just I'm, saying, I'm assuming, you know, I'm, I'm supposing well, that's all can, I'm doing. Yeah. You can suppose generally these things are made up of a bunch of little factors. It's not, it's not usually one big thing, but I mean, just the idea that, you know, these teachers who are supposed to be shaping kids are telling white kids they have to apologize for a thing they can't control. If we went the other direction with that and said, you know, you have to make black kids or Asian kids apologize for being, you know, whatever race they are. Now, some idiot is going to say, well, yeah, but we used to. Okay, fine. We used to. We all agreed. Well, at least a large percentage of the population, enough to make it a law, said that ain't right. And we put that behind us 50 years ago, you know. And yeah, you can say, well, there's there's always going to be racism. Yeah, there's always going to be racism, but... But that's not the issue. The, the problem they're, they're seeing is a disparity between the graduation rates and the testing between black kids and Asian kids and Hispanic kids and white kids. And they're going, well, how can we fix this? Well, the Asian kids are the ones kicking everybody's ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or East, um, East Indians, Asians, whatever. Um, so, so they're, they're saying, well, how can we fix this? But instead of going about it and going, well, what, you know, like step by step and like kind of like reducing back to what the cause is, is why is this happening? They're just automatically going, well, it's got to be white racism that's causing it. It's got to be. That's their default. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
Because you got to have something, right? Well, and, and that's the easy answer for them. Yeah. They, if they go back and they kind of try to dig into it and find out what it is, it gets really uncomfortable. And they don't want they don't want that because then all of a sudden they have to actually consider things that are are uncomfortable and things that they that that are taboo to talk about. And you start talking about IQs and all that, and they're like, "Oh, we can't do that because that's uh, that's demeaning and, and whatever." Well, then you're not going to get to the the, the co- or or they don't want to cause a, uh, talk about um, broken families and stuff like that because that's. You know, that's, that's something they can't talk about because, you know, a, a, a nuclear family with a mom and dad and, you know, kids, um, is, is no better than a single mother. A single mother, as a matter of fact, is better. Well, but then some idiot will any, do the anecdotally thing where they say, well, I know this, you know, this couple that's been married for 30 years and they fucked up their kids and, you know, the one's in jail and the other one's a criminal and the other one ran from the laws in Canada or something. Yeah. Let's just and look then- at the average. Yeah, and then they'll say, I know this single mom who's working hard and doing a great job, and her three kids are going to Harvard or whatever. Well, yes, you can always get that. But well, hold on. <laughs> nice. The kids, uh, anything else you want to say? Uh, that's brought to you by Dogfish Head 16-Minute IPA <laughs> India Pale Ale. You know, this stuff tastes like some stuff I had in uh, – I had in um, down in Florida, uh, Reef Donkey. <laughs> the okay. new, a Reef Donkey is some sort of fish. It's one of the jacks or something down there, but yeah, it tastes almost exactly like it. So it's coincidental that they both have fish names. Um, but I lost my train of thought. So um, yeah, there's going to be some idiot who says, you know, anecdotally, but look, the fact is kids tend to do better in a family that has both parents intact. They just do. And you can say that that's some sort of ist or I'm, I'm, some sort of something, but that's a fucking fact. You can look it up, um, and and to just dismiss that is stupid. And I remember reading, and I I wish I had this at my fingertips. I don't. I remember reading a study years ago that said when kids who get so you you take the uh, it was addressing the achievement gap in school. And they said you take these minority kids who come into school, they start off the year behind, and by the end of the year they've pretty much caught up again. Right. But then the school year comes again and they're behind again. And they said, what's the difference? So they looked into it and it was some university study. Again, I wish I had it here to reference. They said that what they found is in the summer months, those kids who came back and achieved well were generally from white families with intact parents who said, hey, you're not taking the summer off. You need to read some. You need to do some stuff. And they found that they, those families had books in the home, just books. They weren't forcing the kids to study, but the kids picked up books and read, you know. And it's that same thing where they talk about if you if you have – I keep saying they, but again, I can't cite the studies. If kids are read to at an early age, even when they can't understand words, if they're just read to, they they achieve better because a brain is forming the most in the first just, five years. I just looked it up. It's Professor Thaddeus They. <laughs> yeah. I came up with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> From fuck you, university. So, so whenever we reference they, it's Professor Thaddeus they. Yeah. Look him up. He's on Google. <laughs> no, but I just, you know, we can't, we can't even talk about these things without somebody being insulted. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it's the kid's fault that he's got a broken home or his parents are shit. And I'm not saying that minority families are all broken families and their parents are shit. They're not all. No. no. I know plenty of white kids who grow up, I grew up with from shitty families 
where their parents were divorced. And those kids struggled. Yeah. You know? I have a buddy who's fucking brilliant. I mean, he's brilliant. And uh, he's a college professor now. But his mom and dad were always in this divorce thing. And he, I mean, he struggled. He went through a lot of, you know, drug abuse in college and everything. And he finally got his shit together at about 40, you know. But it took him a while. And I look at, man, if that kid was in a, a solid nuclear family, he wouldn't have dealt with all the other stuff. Yeah. Know? Well, that... The problem is, like you said, it's it's the officials, the 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 people trying to fix things, and and, and mandating that they have to have these um, programs that uh, teach white kids that that's their fault that black kids are behind. I mean, that's that's what it breaks down to. It's like it's your fault. You're white. It's your fault that everybody else is doing poorly. Right. Even though Asians are doing better, they don't they that uh, conveniently. They don't they don't bring that into the mix. Yeah. And not just better, like significantly better. Yeah. Yeah. But I, this whole idea of equality of equality outcome. of outcome yeah. is ridiculous. You know, Thomas Sowell has a thing about it where he says um, it, it's really interesting as an aside to me, the amount of people that you introduce to Thomas Sowell and just say, read this. Yeah. And they read it and they go, God, what a fucking racist. And then you're like, he's a black conservative. Oh, I was just going to say, isn't he an alt-right Nazi? Yeah, he is an alt-right Nazi. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's a black conservative. Yeah. 70-something years or Maybe 80, 80-something at this point. I think he's 83. He just yeah. retired. He just retired from writing. Yeah, he used to do commas every week. Yeah, last year. I mean, but he said, he said, look, I'm not, he said, I like basketball. He goes, but I'm never going to be a great basketball player because I'm not good at it and I'm not. Six foot nine, able to dunk, you know, and people say, well, that's just sports. That doesn't count. Well, his point is some people start ahead and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the idea that if you put everybody in equal ground, everybody will end up in equal places is just stupid. Yeah. Almost everybody has some degree of privilege unless you're, I mean, a hardcore or like yeah, disabled or, you know, had the most hard left life, you know, whatever. But most people have some degree of privilege. So knock it off with the, well, because of your privilege, you can't speak about this or it's your, your privilege. You don't understand the, uh, the plight of, uh, of people that aren't in your position. It's like, you know what? Everybody's got some, especially in America, everybody's got some sort of fucking privilege. Well, you have, the, you have American privilege. How here, about that? I agree. Here's the thing though. If you want to be scared, read 1984. Everybody says that all the time. I mean, but really actually read, read it. it. Yeah. If you want to be fucking terrified, it's a much shorter read. Kurt Vonnegut's short story, Harrison Bergeron, where they basically force everyone to be equal. And what happens in that story? Now, there's a – Kurt Vonnegut was sort of a – I mean, he was a sly humorist, you know, wrote sort of slick sci-fi fiction, but – it was redundant, but he – uh the the message that he has in there is is pretty scary. If you there are parts of it that are funny, but then you kind of read it and go, "This isn't cool." I remember reading that in seventh grade. Yeah, don't like, the beautiful people have to cover their face? Yeah, beautiful people. Have to and cover the smart their people face. have to like put on headphones that blast like a bunch of gar- random gar- static gar- noise. noise. Yeah, yep. so that they can't think straight. And uh, strong people have to carry around like bags of birdshot and everything. And so uh, I, I won't give too much away, but Harrison Bergeron is sort of the apex of human evolution. And uh, he's, well, read the story. But it's fucking terrifying, you know? And people people just think, ah, oh, that'll never happen. And it's, 
I don't want to say it's close to happening, but well, the, the, sometimes it feels like it's close to happening. The happen. ideology of equality of outcome is is happening on the left, uh, on in the progressive left, the cultural Marxists. That's what it is. Yeah, they, they want equality of outcome. That's their goal. It's it's unattainable unless you have some sort of super dictator, dictatorial authority that does exactly what you're saying. Um, that's the end, the end product or the end, um, step. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, my oldest is in, he's just left Cub Scouts into Boy Scouts. And the thing I think he grew tired of in Cub Scouts, which I was tired of right from the beginning, is that Cub Scouts is a very, everyone moves at the same pace. You know, they're like, to get this next badge, you have to learn Scout law and memorize it. Now the kids fucking memorize it. They just, they go to the meeting. So you get it. Everybody gets a trophy. You know, the only exception to that is the Pinewood Derby. That's the only exception. So everyone, everyone moves at the same pace. And by the time these kids get to Weeblow's Narrow of Light near the end, it's like, I don't really have to work very hard because I've done all the steps before and everybody gets the badge mm-hmm. or the belt loop or whatever. So you cross over into Boy Scouts and the first thing they tell you is this isn't like Cub Scouts. You know, you go at your pace. You want to get stuff done? Great. We've got tools for it. But, you know, if you yeah, don't you have do to it. Produ- you have to produce to get that. If you don't do it. patch or that badge, right? Yeah. So the first thing my son says is he goes, I'm getting Eagle Scout. And I'm like, cool. That's nice. And he looks at me steely eyed and goes, dad, I'm going to be an Eagle Scout. He goes, ain't nothing stopping. But you have to get like all the badges in Boy Scout. To be no, you have to get like 34 of 150 or something. There's some required ones. Or anything. You have to do a service project. You have to do a lot of stuff. But his point is it's almost like he feels like unchained from all these other kids. And now he really gets to strut his stuff and say, I can do this. The kid, they call it crossing over. He just crossed over this week. But he's already got a merit badge. I mean, he's already got one under his belt. And, you know, some of the Boy Scouts are like going, man, that was fast. And he's like, yeah, I know. Watch me. Hmm. And when you have that whole Cub Scout mentality of everybody moves at the same pace, and um, I realize that's that's not how life works, you know, that it's not Cub Scouts. It's more serious than that. But the point is that the theory behind it and the thinking behind it is everyone gets a trophy versus no exceptional people charge out ahead. That's a good thing for society, you yeah. know? I mean, uh, I don't know how you pronounce her first name. Is it Mary Curie or Marie Curie? Uh, Marie Curie. Yeah. So she basically, I mean, she advanced the the science of, uh, well, I'm spacing on this, uh, nuclear physics, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, obsessively. She and her husband died from the shit. Yeah. You know? Radi- radi- radiation poisoning. Yeah, right? exactly. But I mean, she was obsessed with this. And because she did that. She wasn't held back. She could just do it. You know, she didn't care that she was a woman. She didn't, you know, she didn't let that stop her. And look at what she did for science, you know? And if well, we- that benefits everybody, even people that aren't able to achieve that level of, of intelligence or that level of drive and motivation, that person doing that helped people all the way down, all the way down the, the line. Right. And, and that's what they're not getting by saying that, you know, you know, you, you're, you're not if you've got if you're coming from a position of privilege and you've got all this we all this um the benefits that's uh, provided to you by your privilege that we need to hold you back and let somebody from 
from another um, strata come in and take that opportunity that, that you have and, and run with it. Well, sometimes those people can't run with that opportunity. They don't have the skill set. They don't have the motivation or drive. They don't have the intelligence to do it. And, well, and you're and you're holding back somebody that could achieve something fantastic and actually make life better for everybody. I I hate when people say, ah, it's because people are stupid. I I can't stand that. That's lazy thinking. But I do believe that people generally are lazy. And if we have to wait for all the lazy people, and I'm not talking about, oh, you're talking about unemployed minorities. No, I know plenty of people at companies, you know, that are in middle management who can't figure out how they can't get out of there. It's like, you want to work there Monday through Friday, nine to five. That's all you want to do. It's all you want to do, right? You don't want to, you don't want to put in the extra time and all that. You're fucking lazy. But you'll also sit there and say, oh, this company can't run without me. And then they can't figure out why they can't get somewhere. And I hate that we're supposed to have this idea of waiting for the lazy people. And getting back to the C. Dina thing, if you've got a kid who's a high achiever and you're making them feel like they're shit because of their skin color and they're white, you're no different than the people 50 years ago who are saying, you're a piece of shit because you're black. You're no different. And I, I don't care about what history says, reformist visions of history, you know. Um, but it's just – it's stupid that we're doing that. And it's terrifying that it's teachers who feel emboldened to do that, you know. Well, and they're not fighting back on it. Yeah, teachers and the administrators and yeah. all, the way, all the way on up. Yeah. You know, but Minnesota, yeah, there's it, it goes all the way to the top. It goes to the governor. He's got that same the governor, governor of Minnesota Mumble? governor yeah. Um, did Governor Dayton just show up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he's he's got that attitude. He's he's one of them. He's one of those. He's got he comes from a position of privilege. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um, but he's 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 project, projecting his guilt over the fact that he didn't earn it on yeah. every on every other white person out there. Yeah. And by the way, I love when people defend Dayton by saying. He's uh, he's arguing for more tax, and he's he's a rich guy, you know, the whole Dayton family and all that stuff. Because it doesn't affect him. He doesn't have a job. Yeah. You don't have income. You don't pay you, fucking yeah, taxes. You get to the fucking point uh, where, where someone like him is at, all this shit doesn't bother him. It doesn't matter to him. No, you put all your money in South Dakota, where there's no yeah. state income tax, and you're living off the interest from a, from a family trust fund, you are not paying taxes. Like you're paying some, but you're not paying like the fucking top one percent. It does not change your quality of life whatsoever. Yeah, you're not paying fifty one percent of your income like the top one and five percent does in Minnesota. You're not. So shut up with the Mark Dayton is rich and he wants to pay a lot of taxes. Oh, so altruistic. Oh, he's what a he's done everything he can to avoid paying every fucking nickel he could. And so don't give me this man of the people shit. I hate that. Anyway, done with my. Governor Dayton rant, but but uh, getting back to Edina, Edina was the same school that one or two years ago wanted to impose um, uh, regimented playtime at recess. <laughs> so in other words, all the kids get out of class or out of lunch and they come out on the playground and there's an instructor there. Says, all right, kids, today we're going to play this game and we're going to line you up here. We're going to line you up there. And the kid goes, yeah, we just want to play tag. No, you can't play tag. Tag's banned. Tag makes people feel bad. So we're going to play a game that doesn't keep score. And uh, and you can't pick your teams. Yeah, you can't pick your teams. We're going to divide them by height or, you know, 
birth weight or I don't know, whatever the fuck it was. They actually paid someone to do that. $60,000 a year. How many school supplies does $60,000 a year buy? Can kids not just be kids on the playground? I mean... Apparently not. I mean, this idea that... Look, I'll say it. The world needs bullies. We need bullies. <laughs> we have to have them. I'm not talking about the ones that, you know, mercilessly beat a kid at school. I'm not talking about, you know, four kids who gang up on every kid who comes to the classroom. You're talking about the kid that teases people. I'm talking about the kid who teases people. Look at Mark Cuban and the immense chip on that guy's shoulder. You can't tell me somewhere along the line. Somebody didn't tell him he looked like Frankenstein and but he was an idiot. He does. He does look like Frankenstein. But, you know, he could probably have me killed. So, I want to be careful. But I'm just saying... It's somewhere along the line. You, you think Bill Gates didn't get picked on? Is there any amount of Bill Gates that just sits there at night and goes, you fucking people. I showed every one of you. It may not be a lot, but God, maybe there was someone who took his milk money every day. My point is we need people. We need the Eddie Haskells of the world. Or, Let's or, leave it to Beaver on TV. Yeah, another thing is he didn't, he didn't get that date he wanted. He didn't get that dance from prom. He didn't get asked or he was too nervous to ask a girl. That reminds me or of... Or maybe he asked her and she mocked him and he was like, I'm going to show you yeah. people. Oh, where was that? that they, what school was it that they actually said that you have to accept when somebody asks you to ask you to dance? You have oh, to God. What where was, was that? that? Oh, I wish we had that. That is nuts, too. No, it wasn't just asked you if someone asked you to dance. It was like if they asked you to go to prom, you had to no, go. No, no, no. It wasn't prom. It wasn't prom. It was a, it was a school dance. It was dance a school though. dance. But and, yeah. Um, so this it, isn't like you're at the dance and someone asks you to dance and you have to do it. This was if someone asked you out, you had to go. You sure about that? I thought yes. it was the dancing part were. Nope. So it's like okay. if, you know, some little troll kid. But this isn't just, to, this isn't just, this has actually happened. This It is, happened. Yeah. yeah. And it's been going on for a couple of years, you know? It's crazy. This is just, it's insane. And, and, and it's uh, contradicting so many things. The left, they just contradict themselves left and right because you've got the Me Too thing going on where, like, you don't have to accept an advance from a guy. Yeah, what the hell? I and mean, then all of a sudden you're like, well, you have to accept an advance from a guy. You, you fucking idiots. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I know you and I had, had a blow up on the phone the other day where I got super pissed at you, but... You know, the thing that was over is some of this education stuff and, you know, another school, St. Kate's uh, College here in town, it's a women's college, had a forum a couple how, years how, ago. How was that for you, by it the was, way? It was great. I wanted, to, I wanted to apply to that school. I mean, you know, you think you're the only guy in a seat full of women, they're mostly nursing students, too. It would have been nice, but... Oh, Nowadays, you can. You just... Yeah, but see, I would have had to, I would have had to have identified as a woman. Yeah. So, that's yeah. all you have to do. Well, I, I would have had to be a lesbian. So. <laughs> you, you don't have to. You don't have to put on a party city wig. You don't have to wear a mascara. You could just say, "I am a woman," and uh, that's it. You don't. Yeah, you can that, wear, you can that's, wear your, a, that's a whole other topic. You, you can wear your uh, your you know your your jock and all that kind of stuff during during uh, physical education. <laughs> you're fine. You're still you're, you're still getting, a girl. You're getting totally off topic. I'm here. sorry. We'll get there another time. Okay. But but so the college had uh, last year apparently. Um, they had this, you know, women's empowerment kind of thing where they put these feelers out to women in the business community and said, hey, come give a presentation, send us your bona fides, all that stuff. And they did it and it went fine. They had something like 900 attendees or whatever. This year they did it, sent it out. It all came back. Every speaker is chosen based on merit. In other words, they, they took everything and said, oh, all these people are, um, yep, topic's great. Their bona fides are good. Um, all right, so we're going to have a... Um, 
We're going to have a program for this. Put it on our website. Send in a picture and a bio. And they do. And they go, holy shit, they're almost all white. It doesn't reflect the student body, which is 34% minority or something. So they canceled the entire event. So you picked people based on merit, blind to skin tone and all that stuff. And then when you had the chance to see who they were, you said skin color matters more than what you're teaching them. Well, yes, Rooster, because if you look into it, the reason that they that they were chosen is because of the white patriarchy and um, the privilege that comes with that. Yeah, well, And even the women um, in the patriarchy that support the patriarchy, they are um, benefiting from the patriarchy. Patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever you said. Um, but so then they've got, you know, they, they just cancel it because they say, no, nah, it's not a big – well, then the story goes national. And the the – president or provost or whatever she was, she just wouldn't respond to anything. It's like, look, you made this decision. A stupid yeah, fucking decision. Back it up. Yeah, back it up. Tell us why you did it. And she's just like, it's not reflective. Because she's a coward. Exactly. They, they cancel it because she's a coward. They won't answer because they're cowards. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, and now you've alienated these women who would be in a position to help these women. And let's just say for the sake of argument that maybe these women you were picking um, – don't care about skin color and they were welcoming the opportunity to speak to these women, you know, what, why do you have to be a black woman or an Asian woman or a white woman to speak to black women, Asian women or a white woman? Rooster, rooster, rooster. If yeah, you don't see color, you're racist. Yes. <laughs> oh God. It's, it's so sad that that's comically true. But so where you and I got crossways and I got immediately mad was this whole thing. You said, ah, it's how college always is. It's not like that now, any different than it was. There's only one key difference. So, you know, back in the 60s at Berkeley, they had the whole free speech movement and they did all that stuff. And when I was in college many, many years ago, I had – they were always already doing the gender inclusive thing. I mean, I had a professor who went through our papers and said, why did you use he here? Why didn't you use woman here? Um, mankind, really? History? You said History? It should be our street. I'm not fucking kidding. That can't be true. Yes, she did. My college had a whole thing on gender-inclusive language saying, if you start the paragraph with male references, your next paragraph should be female references. I'm like, what if you're writing an English paper with characters in it? They said, well, you still need to try and do that. That, that makes no sense. You're supposed to be intelligent people. And that, so that stuff's always been going on. The difference is, and I, like I said, I have a buddy who's brilliant. He teaches at a at a very large university in the Midwest. He says it's the same thing now. The problem is that the left has become so emboldened with this idea of, no, we're right, that now they just shout everybody down. So it's always there. They're just more ballsy about it. I thought our argument was because you said the kind of the point of going to college was to learn how to learn. No. I, the, my point of going to college was it teaches you to think critically. And in the sense now – one of the things I think college is going to start losing here um, is the idea of divergent viewpoints, which in and of itself makes you think critically. But one thing they do in college is they'll say, all right, I had this professor who was famous for this. Two-hour tests, three questions. It's, you know, blue book form. You have to write it all out. And he'd say, three questions. You can answer two of them. Go. And you had to be able to put – and I mean these are rhetorical theory classes and argumentation. You had to be able to put 
the your argument, you know, state it concisely, uh, back it up, bring in all of the conflicting viewpoints that you could think of, refute those, and conclude it all in an hour. And that ain't easy to do. Is that happening now, you think? I think it still happens, yeah. Okay, because that's not what I'm hearing. Well, I still think that what we see now, though those events are real, are sort of caricatures of what's going on. They're happening in a... They're still in a periphery? No, they're still... They're happening at a more alarming rate. Yeah. Um, But there's a whole part of college where it just says, intellectually, here's a bunch of shit. Make an argument out of it. You know... Go to the library and state your case. And so, so that part of critical thinking is still there. And so I think for certain people, college is the way to go. My kids who are, I mean, they're thinkers and they're, uh, I mean, they're smart kids. It makes sense for them to go to college. But this whole idea that we're hammering kids through college saying you got to build up all the student debt to go to school and it may not be for you. I think is a disservice. Yeah, I think there's 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 plenty of probably even in the most liberal of liberal arts colleges, there's some merit to be had somewhere in some courses. But what I'm seeing so much of, and maybe it's I'm I'm seeing the worst of it because that's what that's what gets eyeballs on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. But I'm seeing these professors that aren't teaching that they're indoctrinating. That's what these professors are doing, and they're the ones that are showing up at these antifa rallies and and hitting people over the head with bike locks. You know, well, I'm telling you, that's always been there. The problem is now it's, you know, my wife and I had this conversation about, um, strangely enough, uh, like she, she was talking about, there's way more crazies in the world now, you know, more kids getting abducted, all that stuff. And I said, I don't think there are statistically. I really don't think there are. I think we hear about it more because we've got a 24 hour news cycle, but I also think these people can connect with each other. And I mean, they can share kitty porn and they can, you know, they can have all these forums and everything. I don't think there's more of them. I think they're just better networked. Hmm. And I think that's the same thing with with college. I think what people did before when they had a protest about something, people would just say, whatever, that's cute. That'll blow over. You know, they had their die-ins where they lay down to represent the 37 people who died in some event 30 years ago. I think that was an event that happened at a college and it moved on. Now, I think we get other people who see that and go, hey, that needs to be on the news. And they put it in and four more university groups go, yeah, we should do that. I think that's the problem now is people are emboldened by other people's stupid shit. And I say stupid shit, not because it's lefty. I'm saying stupid shit because that's part of what college is for, too. You do stupid shit in college. You know, I mean, I did plenty of it. And nothing to do with politics. You're. Your brain is not well formed in college, so that and there's a lot of alcohol involved. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna deny that when my kids go to school, sure. but but so that's that's what I think is the problem now, and it's the same thing with this whole St. Kate's thing. Um, you know, I just I think it's stupid, and I saw a very interesting thing from Jonathan Haidt. He's an NYU social psychologist, and he teaches a teach stuff on ethics and everything. And he was at, uh, he's at a free speech conversation. He was talking about how you can't really have, um, you, you can't be solid in your point of view unless you expose yourself to the opposing point of view. Not, I think I know their argument, so I'm going to refute it. He goes, you have to put yourself 
in the space of people who disagree with you and get why that is. And he goes, that's what college is supposed to be. And that's not what it's turning into. And he goes, of course, nowadays that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So here's, he says, we'll do a little experiment here. He says, I want everybody. And there's some like, guy I didn't know in the video who's like a mentor of his or something. And he says, uh, all right, let's have everybody who identifies as either left, right, centrist, or libertarian raise your hand. And the other guy goes, why don't we have them close their eyes? So they did. Everybody closed their eyes and they surveyed the room, right, in about 30 seconds. And they said they came up with probably four or five libertarians, you know, four or five centrists, two or three uh, people identified as Republican, and 50 people who identify as left. And he goes, you know what? That is basically the case in smaller universities. He goes, go to a large state university, you're not going to see that. But these small three to 6,000 person elite colleges, one like one of the ones I went to, um, and the he says the people on the right don't want to speak up. So you don't get that viewpoint. He says, but coincidentally, we're also finding out the people in the middle don't want to speak up either. They just don't. And those small universities are becoming places where you conform or you shut up. Well, I mean, and nowadays, um, um, if you don't disavow, you are, you are in league with, yeah, with you're the, complicit. Yeah, you're complicit with them. So if, if you're, if you're any, anywhere right of Mao, you're, you're, you're with the Nazis. I mean, it's, you, you or if you give them a platform, if you say, Hey, they, they get freedom of speech, we should let them speak. And you know what? Our ideas will beat their ideas. Let's but do you, that. But you know, the Nazis are on the right. No, they're not. Crow. Let's not get into that. The Nazis are on the right. No, uh, socialist is, 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 <laughs> is in the name. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Nazi party are socialists, whatever. Anyway, Look, stop, stop trying to distract me from my <laughs> Look, point. Read rise and fall of the third Reich. That's no. all you gotta, I mean, it's Hitler's own words. Though. But if you've got a, a centrist that goes, look, you know what? Let them, let them put their opinion out there. We, if you've got a better opinion, it'll win out. But guess what? That's not, that's not. And then all of a sudden, no, you're siding with them. You're plat, you're giving them a platform, which means you are on their side. And guess, and, and it gets violent nowadays. Yeah. Nowadays, you, you stand out and you go to a protest or you go to a rally, even a rally that's not supposed to be protesting. That's supposed to be just supportive of something. And you get hit with a bike lock. Right. That's what happens nowadays. So, so these, these kids are like, they're, they're thinking, I don't, I don't want to get involved in this. Well, that, that, uh, woman who got sprayed with, uh, Pepper spray. I think it was the Berkeley thing. She's wearing a. People say she's wearing a MAGA hat. Yeah, I she saw wasn't it. wearing a MAGA hat. Her hat said "Make Bitcoin Great Again." Oh, that's right. And she got sprayed. Yeah. I mean, just walked right up to her face and maced her. I mean, some guy, some punky little bitch who had to do it when this woman wasn't looking. I mean, what a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that that goes in the whole thing. Whereas I'd actually like to go to some of these rallies or protests, but I know where that would end up. Uh, you know, me in jail, or, <laughs> or you know, hitting somebody with a bike lock, or or or, <laughs> or or getting separated from whoever I'm with, and having like a dozen of these fuckers showing up and and you know just beating me unconscious. What I because you know no matter how tough you are, you get enough guys against you, you're gonna go down. What I worry about, what I really worry about is, you know, you see this Antifa crowd show up and you get that, what was it, bass stick man who sort yeah. of fought back oh, a little was, bit? That was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. But so if you get these Antifa people out there, you know, uh, and if you don't think Antifa's Nazis, just do your research. They're fascists. Plain yeah. and simple. Yeah, they're, you're right. The anti-fascists fascists are fascists. Yes. They, had, they employ the same tactics. Um, but they show up at these rallies and they shout down 
uh, well, not shout down. I mean, sometimes they physically assault. They intimidate, they shout down, and then they will physically assault you. And so just like those political tactics got us Trump, that's my belief, I think what we're going to see, to use your example, is somewhere along the line here, 50 Hell's Angels are going to show up at one of these things and just mow through some people. And it's going to be ugly. Yeah. I And people are going to get hurt. And I just think the idea that we can't civilly disagree anymore. Well, and here's the thing. It used to be where I didn't want to see this happen. I thought it was ridiculous and that you don't hope for violence. Um, as a concealed carry permit holder, um, you're basically taught if you're going to be carrying this weapon, you don't escalate situations. You, you de-escalate or you find a way out of it before it gets to the point where you have to draw that weapon. You know, you do it if you absolutely have to. You don't make the situation. So, um, you know, I'm not one that wants to make any situation escalate to violence because that can lead to to a lot of problems, like a death or you know, great bodily harm. Well, yeah. And, but at this point, I'm starting to say, fuck them fuckers. <laughs> I want to see them fucking get hurt because they think they can run roughshod over everybody. I, I want to <laughs> see them get hurt. I want to see them get a taste of their own fucking medicine. And it's, it's not good. I, I understand that. I, that, that, that feeling or that thought process, it's not good because you're, you're basically turning into them. You're, well, you're yeah. I mean, you don't want to go yeah. out, you don't want to go out and shoot Antifa. Yeah. But you don't want to say that, oh, that, that fucking guy's political opinion is different than mine. Fuck him. Kill him. I, I don't want to feel that way, but God damn it. They're trying their hardest to make me feel that way, aren't they? If you saw uh, what you're saying, I think is if you saw somebody pull out a bat, you know, with a nail in the end of it and start swinging at Antifa people, you'd say, ooh, that's bad. But somewhere inside, I kind of think you had that. Get a little giddy. Yeah. I mean, you're not saying, I want to get a bat, put some nails in it, and go out and swing I'd be like, I can't condone this, but man, God, that fucker asked for it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't. But they're they're the same way. They're like, well, these old right Nazis are asking for it. Yeah. They have that. That's how they, they view the opposition, political opposition, as evil. That's, yeah, that's what they view it. They don't view them as human beings. They human they they view them as all oh, right Nazis. Well, there's a whole thing, and it's it's important to understand and read. There's a whole thing that Jung said in psychology about if you can't understand how bad you can be, you know, and think you're virtuous without seeing. I'm I'm paraphrasing and poorly explaining what he's talking about, but if you're if you can't embrace your own inner darkness and understand, man, I. I can be a pretty bad person. You can't be virtuous. Yeah. And if you think you're virtuous without understanding how bad you can be, you're actually evil. Yeah. No, that's that's actually because you're, you're, you're like saying, well, I'm beyond reproach. Well, that's so a lot of what Jordan Peterson's saying. He's he's well, he's, he's very into young. <laughs> yeah, he admits he's taken it from him. But you know, it's almost like you know, to be a little geeky here, those scenes in uh, Lord of the Rings when they offer uh, when they offer the ring to uh, the Elven Queen, and then what's Boromir's brother? I'm I'm failing the geeks here on, but they, both characters in the books are offered the ring and they're like, Oh no, 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 no. Don't want that. That's bad. You know, it's like George Washington when they said, we're going to make him the American King. And he said, I didn't, I didn't fight a King to become a King. I'll serve my time as president and laying down power. And who's, who's the, um, King of the time, George, King George. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was King George. He goes, he goes, that guy did that. He's, He's either crazy or he's one of the best human beings ever because nobody walks away from power like that. And I think the idea that if you can't understand that you can be a terrible person, you can't be a good person. And there's too many of these people on the left who think, well, you know. Well, I'm all full of goodness and light. All I want is what's best for everybody. So I'm a good person. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There, I wish I could remember the quote, but basically paraphrasing is 
God save us for those who intend to do us good. You know, I mean, this is for your own good. So, anyway. Well, anything else you want to add? We're running up on time here. Uh, no. Well, well for the next time, I think there's an article I wanted to bring up, and we'll do that next time. But it's um, uh, in psychology. Oh, it was in The Guardian, but it's, just, it's in their psychology section. It goes, um, hate body odor? You're more likely to have right-wing views. <laughs> I just think that's going to be a fun one to talk oh about. Oh, my God. You can't do it. And also, there's a study that conservatives and liberals smell different. Really? Yeah. And they tend to the cloister-based <laughs> What is it? Uh, the uh, the right smells like uh, Drakkar and uh, store-bought chemical stuff. Yeah, and uh, the left, I think, smells like liquid feces, I think. <laughs> and patchouli. Like diarrhea. I, I, I think. I, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, what is this? What's the stuff uh, people with dreads put in their yeah, hair? It's, it's patchouli oil. Yeah. 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 All so, right, cool. Um, well, until next time. Yeah, well, if you want to email us, you can email uh, rooster at breadandcircuses.com or crow at breadandcircuses.com. We'll, we will read your emails. If you if you uh, would like us to read it, we'll read it on the air. If not, we'll read it anyway. I only I only read the good ones. We'll just redact your name. Because I am virtuous. Okay. So. Hate mail to uh, Rooster. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. See you. Bye.